everyone. My name is Weston. And my name is Clark. <laughs> and we are 30 Day Trial. We are recording a podcast about a different topic or activity or hobby that we try out for 30 days. And we come together to discuss with each other and you, our listeners, our successes, our failures, what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for us, and obviously the things that we learn and discover. Our first month, we have picked stock market investing. We're on our week one, so we've spent a few hours looking into some of the basics. And I know for me personally, my previous experience with stock market investing is pretty little know just enough when the news is on and they say that the stock market is crashing or going up or the S&P is climbing. I loosely understand what that means, but I don't have any mutual funds or investing in my own personal Roth IRA or any of those things. So I'm starting from kind of the basics. And Clark, I know we spoke just briefly, but where do you feel like you stand on this topic? I have some history with actually selling financial products. I used to be a licensed life insurance agent. And you you learn a lot because you have to do a lot of studying um, with a lot of different financial things to be able to provide good resources for people in order to to buy products. So I have I have a little bit more knowledge. I, I'm I'm back in college, so most of my money goes to college. So I'm I'm kind of where where you are, Weston. Where I I don't really have a whole lot of uh, money invested in the market, but the amount of knowledge I have on the subject is far greater than the amount of money I have in the market, just because just of where I am in life. So yeah, it's, that's better than being the other way, where you have no knowledge and a ton of money invested in the market, and you're probably going to lose a bunch of money. <laughs> Well, I feel like that's what a lot of people do is they just find a financial guy and they're like, invest my money and they don't have any idea what's going on. And so it's it's really important. For example, just to kind of just to give an example, a lot of people still own 401ks. If you actually I've actually gone door to door and talked to people about financial products when I would sell it because I wanted to find people I could talk to who were were in the market and we're looking and most people have a 401k and 401ks really aren't they're, they're definitely not the best option for investing unless your work pays a contributing share so if you put ten dollars in a 401k and they put five or something or they do some sort of matching program then it's good but outside of that it's it's not good but it's it's not or i shouldn't say it's not good but it's not great it's definitely not your best option yeah and that's what i was going to say in my little notes that i have written for myself on this topic um 401k's and some more detailed parts of the stock market are up for next week of my research and, and better understanding. But I do know just a little bit of, you know, being an employed person, being a, an adult in America, a lot of full-time jobs have those 401ks. And that's kind of always been my understanding is that you get paid and it's set up where whatever it is, a percentage or $500 or $200 or 2% or something comes out of your paycheck before it gets to you. And then the company matches it or pays 50% or on top of that. So you're essentially making more money, but it's going straight into what I've always thought of it as like a retirement account. Like I don't think people pull money out of their 401k to go on a vacation, or if they do, I think there's some tax penalties and things for it. Um, I actually found a pretty cool app. I know that I'm Apple 
or iOS, and I know you're Android. So I don't know if it's available for Android, but the app is called Best Brokers Stock Market. And what it is, it's basically a game, but it mimics or follows the live stock market. So it gives you fake money and you can buy and sell stocks just like you would if it was real money. The app follows a live stock market. So if you are a listener and you're interested, but you don't, you know, you're a little nervous, you can download that app. We're not affiliated at all. They're not paying me to say this. It's pretty fun. I've bought some Netflix, some Lockheed Martin, some Home Depot, some Caterpillar invested in the US dollar. And I'm actually up just a little bit this week since I've started. I think they started you with $25,000 of, again, fake money. So you can't actually earn any money with this, but it is a good way to mess around with right. practice. Practice. You can't lose money. You can't make money. If we're going to talk about the stock market, I think, you know, what is the stock market? So defining that um, or like, what is a stock? So I, I think a great way to define that if, say, um, you and I start a company, we start selling, I don't know, what do you want to sell? Fire hydrants? <laughs> Um, sure. Fire hydrants. So, so we're selling fire hydrants and we're being successful and someone comes up to us and wants to invest in our company because they think that we're going to be a profitable company for long term. Essentially what a stock is, is a small ownership piece of the company. And for some companies like a huge company like Apple, they might have thousands or tens of thousands of stocks. So it's not like buying one stock, you know, makes you a 50% owner in the company. But companies will sell stocks or go public as it's it's termed to start selling shares or stocks so that they can raise money for a product launch or maybe they need to buy a new warehouse or or whatever they need that capital money for they can start selling off percentages of the company for cash, which they need. And people buy those stocks or shares in hopes that the value of the company continues to go up so they can make money over a period of time. Sometimes a couple of days, they might buy and sell stocks or shares. And sometimes, you know, long term, someone might buy it when they're 30 and sell it when they're 60 and use it as a retirement fund. Yeah, it does. it. I feel like it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So. And, and I think that's so again, if we're sticking with our metaphor of fire hydrant selling, someone could say invest, you know, whatever, $10 in our company. And then maybe we start supplying the whole country with fire hydrants and their $10 becomes worth $1,000 or something. Or our company does no good and we go into business and they lose their $10. So it's definitely possible possible to lose money buying stocks. Understanding what the stock market was, I was kind of interested in learning about when did this start happening? When did the stock market start? And at least in America or the United States stock market is really actually called the New York Stock Exchange or the NYSE. And that started in the late 1700s and it was called the Buttonwood Agreement. And it really took off in the 1840s. Before electrical communication, it was still done by mail carrier, I guess. So horse speed, which is pretty slow when you think about how stock market works today. So it actually really took off and kind of started to grow in the 1840s with the electrical telegraph invention. So I know there are other stock markets worldwide. And before we started recording, Clark, we talked about how they interact and I don't know. So that's definitely a good topic for maybe the second or third week. I don't know what happens if I try and buy a stock 
on the Tokyo Stock Exchange, but I'm invested in the New York Stock Exchange. If there's any crosstalk or I know some people invest just in currency. So like if I bought a whole bunch Ooh. of euros or pounds, I know a lot of people. Well, I don't personally know them, but I know people that that's yes, all do. they do. Oh, I, you actually, you know me, I've actually done Forex trading before. As we just talked about buying stock in a company, my naive opinion of if you're buying foreign currency, it's almost like you're buying stock in the government of that country. So it's like you think that that country is going to do well or not do well based upon everything else in the world. So it's it's a interesting game of government trading almost. Right. And and that's we can cover that more in a future episode, I feel like, mm-hmm. with that. If you want to get into actual investing, um, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But probably the safest way, you know, if if someone wants to have the biggest takeaway um, from like if someone's listening to this and they want to take away one thing from this podcast, from what I personally have to say, what I would say is if you're brand new to to trading or investing and you want a really safe investment that's not going to screw you over if the market takes a takes a big dive is buy an indexed annuity. So kind of going back to talking about a 401k, a lot of people, they do have matching 401ks of some sort. Like you said, they take, you know, $10 out of your paycheck pre-tax and then your company matches it and company matches can look like all sorts of different things. But a lot of people have 401ks and their company doesn't match it. They just have a 401k. And that just means when the market goes up, it goes up. And when it goes down, it goes down. And that's actually not really a great way to invest. It's better than than doing nothing. But as far as getting to where you want retirement wise, unless you're making a lot of money, you're you're never going to retire the way you want to that way. So to give you an idea of what an indexed annuity does, annuities are five or, or 10 year annuities. If you look hard enough, you can find, and then you shouldn't have to look too hard, but you can find a 10 year annuity that pays out 5% annually on your money. And the, the cool thing is, is what I mean by indexed is on years where they usually have a percentage cap and floor on it. And some of them just have a flat rate. So you can get a, an index annuity where it just pays you a flat 5%, or you can get annuities that will pay you between 0% and 11% or 0% and 13% or 1% and you know 10%, depending on how the market did that year. And the reason they do it that way is because if the market takes a dive, if your floor is 1%, you're only going to get 1% on that that year. But on the flip side is if it does better, you're going to get more. So if the stock market goes up 30% in one year and your ceiling is 13%, you can't get more than that 13%. But if you look at the history of the stock market and you applied you know, an indexed annuity or, or a similarly indexed product that way to the market over the past 30 years, the indexed product always does better than the flat 401k with no contribution. Because like take 2008, the market went down so far. If you had a traditional 401k, you'd have lost so much money. But if if you'd have had an indexed annuity, you would have just simply stayed with what you had in your portfolio. And then when the market goes back up, you start hitting those higher numbers. And so it averages out to where you do better with indexed products than you do 
with um, just a flat 401k. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's, that's where I'm starting to get into my, like, I guess, research is I'm starting to hit like the index funds and the Roth IRAs. And I think I'll probably have more to talk about that on our next episode. And it, it makes sense. And this is where I know a, a little bit and I've done a little bit before this podcast looking at investments and things and especially with COVID-19 hitting I know that's what I was just going to pull up to make sure I got the date right. I think it was like March, at least in the United States, it was March 20th, 19th, 20th, 21st or something that pretty much every company that had stock, the stock market crashed, I guess is the right term, plummeted down. I don't know. I think most companies probably lost 50% of value on their stocks, but then it rebounded within like two or three weeks for most companies. And it was pretty interesting to see and listen to the news on what was happening with the stocks. And I know we're, we don't, I don't think this podcast is really going to get into not like politics or, or anything like that, but I just mean more. There's a lot of weird things going on in the U.S. economy right now where a lot of other markers are down or trending down, but the stock market is still trending so high that there are right. people calling for another massive crash because it's overinflated or overvalued right now when everything else in the economy, you know, unemployment and different things are so far down that it almost doesn't make sense that the stock market is still so high. So that'll be interesting to see where that goes in the next couple of months as well due to COVID. Right. And actually, I'm glad you brought up that point where it talks where you talked about how the market really crashed really hard in March and then rebounded to kind of give you an idea of how that would work with an index product. And it depends on the company, but a lot of companies, there's one company in particular, um, I know how they do it. I, I'm not sure I want to say their name or not, because I don't want to say something untrue and throw it out there and then have someone, you know, yeah. be like, hey, there's one company out there and they're a really big financial firm. And the way that they do it with their index products is they do it day to day. So your percentage for the year is divided up into how their index product is indexed to the S&P 500, which is really common with annuities and indexed universal life policies. And they do it day to day. So if the stock market goes down 50% one day, and I mean, I know that's crazy for one day, you'll get 0% for that day. And if it does well the next day, you'll get a high, you can cap out your percentage that day. So that's why an index product becomes so important is you have a month like March, the stock tanks for, you know, six weeks, you're going to get 0% for those six weeks. But then when it comes back up, you start getting your higher percentages again. And so when the market started going way back up in, you know, April and, and May and June, it went up more than, you know, the 10 or 11% you would get in your index. So a lot of people who are listening to this could think, well, how do the companies that issue these kind of annuities make money, it's when the stock market goes back up 25 or 30% in a couple months, you're being capped at 11%. So you're avoiding the loss in March, but then you're capping out the benefit in April, May, and June. But the company is still getting 25% on those months or on those days or whatever. So they're still making money. It just makes it to where because your losses are being minimized or eliminated, that you're not playing catch up and and going up, down, up, down, up, down. It's just you're going flat or you're going up or you're going flat or you're going up. And over time, that makes you earn more money than you would in a traditional 401k. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of like stock market insurance almost. Like the larger company is taking the hit on the loss 
but then also taking the gain on the big gains. So you're minimizing your risk, but you're also minimizing your potential overnight jackpot. Right. And that's literally the idea behind an indexed product is the company takes the loss, but they also take the big profit. Because the reality is most people who invest, like you're talking about investing with fake money in stocks and you can typically do pretty well doing that. But as soon as it becomes your money, something changes in your mind. That's really hard to not invest emotionally. So your average investor is going to invest emotionally and they're going to be all over the place investing. So for the average person, typically an index product is better because you don't have to worry about the emotion. It's your losses and your profits are already set. It's just a matter of letting it ride and letting the company do their thing. And, and I know a lot of people who could be listening to this, if they're talking about buying stocks or thinking about buying stocks, there's, I would say, a smaller percentage of people that want to go out and buy an individual stock as in Walmart or Amazon or whatever it is. Like, I don't think many people go out and want to invest into a single company. A lot of people will buy those indexes so that they can just dump whatever, like $200 a month into their stock market investment. And it's buying a selection of companies that also helps mitigate the risk where one of those companies go out of business. Hopefully, the other ones have done well and the losses are kind of averaged out. And I think that's a perfect... So what I said at the beginning, I kind of just know from the news. So at the news, they always... you know, The Dow is down and the NASDAQ is down and the S&P is down. S&P 500. So I wanted to make sure that I really understood what those were. I kind of knew that they were general, like large market indexes. And the Dow is actually the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And that tracks 30 what are known as blue chip stocks, meaning they're kind of they're high value, they're historically strong companies, and they're seen as safe for long term and long-term investing. So basically companies that are household names that you expect to be in business you know, in five years from now. So some of those would be Apple, Home Depot, McDonald's, Nike, and Walmart. And when I looked up all 30 of them, I pretty quickly noticed that Amazon and Google are not included in the Dow 30. It got kind of more complicated than I understand at this point, but it essentially was their market share or their value is just so high that for some reason the Dow isn't going to include them. Yeah, so, so the idea behind that is you're trying, you know, you, you have the S&P 500, which is 500 of the companies in a certain sector, the best 500. It's, and those the, numbers take. it's the 500 largest U.S. publicly traded companies. Okay, there you go. See, I, I know how it works, by, but as far as the actual definition of what that is, that's something that I'm glad you talked about because mm-hmm. I obviously needed a little bit more knowledge. But the idea is if you have one company that has so much market share and you include them in the in the index, that company's up or downs is going to affect the that index way too much. So you're essentially giving too much power to one company in the index, which is why they don't include those companies. Yeah. So yeah. So just really quickly, I'll go over kind of what I just said for the S&P. So the S&P 500 is Standard and Poor's 500, which I think it's kind of weird that it's called the Poor's. It must be someone's last name at some point, I would guess. Yeah, back, back in the 1800s. Yeah, yes. I, I'm assuming. And so that's an index, meaning a group kind of fund of the 500 largest US publicly traded companies. Companies. The NASDAQ is 2,500 companies. They actually don't 
tell you exactly what all 2,500 companies are. They only list their top 10, I, I believe, by, based upon company value. But it is about 50% of those stocks in the NASDAQ are in the technology sector. So a lot of times that's used as a quick way to read if the technology sector is going up or down. And then the Dow Jones Industrial Average, again, is those 30 blue chip stocks. So kind of the long-term investment stocks. So that's what those three really common market indexes are or how they're defined. Right. I feel pretty good for this episode. I think we covered a lot and you and I as hosts are going to learn a lot as we do this. But I think before we leave, if I gave you $500 right now, Clark, cash, but you had to invest it in the stock market, what would you do with those $500? Honestly, I follow, or I guess I don't follow, but I I get a lot of, I I must look at a lot of stock stuff on Instagram because I get a lot of stuff about investing advice and major investors. But honestly, if you want to, if you want to learn a lot about the market, go and look at what Warren Buffett does. If I had $500, I would invest in something that Warren Buffett is currently invested in. It's interesting. So yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I also, again, I don't have a ton of, I don't have any money in the stock market in individual stocks like that, but I do think that it's pretty interesting. And playing this little online game and talking to some other people, I actually did exactly what you just said. And unless, (laughs) unless what I read online was not true. And I don't have the citation in front of me because this was a couple of days ago. Warren Buffett has not bought any stocks or new investments in 2020. He hasn't spent any money at the stock market. He's only sold stocks. That's actually something I did not know. That's really interesting. He sold all of his holdings in all of his airfare companies all at that once. That makes sense. And that then makes he, sense. I don't think he's bought any stocks his company probably has, but him personally with his own money, I don't think yeah. he's invested in any new companies. So I actually do want to say one thing on that. I'm not sure I should even mention it just because, like you said, I don't have the citation in front of me. But I saw a quote several times pop up on when, when I was looking on the Internet and it said something along the lines of quoting Warren Buffett as saying, if you want to invest in one stock just with one company, Coca-Cola is one you should do because in the last 55 years, they have increased their their dividend payout Mm -hmm. every year for 55 straight years. And granted, I don't have the citation in front of me on that and we haven't covered what a dividend is. So that's why. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about dividends next next time we sit down and talk because they're definitely important for understanding and investing. So I I guess if I had five hundred dollars and I was going to invest in one thing, I would take that advice that I heard and invest it in Coca Cola because they they've also done a lot of stock splits and they've increased their dividend. If that quote is correct, so to me that says that that's a really safe company to invest in. Yeah, their dividend yield, which again. We haven't talked about, we'll talk about that next time is 3.37%, which is pretty high. So if I had $500, I'm kind of torn. $500 is a decent amount of money, but it's also not going to be the difference between like, if I lose $500, I'm not going to not be able to pay my like rent or put food on the table. So $500 to me, I would decide if I was going to kind of gamble or if I was just going to like you said, put it in a blue stock chip or one of the big 
historically successful indexes and just kind of forget about it. So I would either just put it in something and then never look at it for the next 30 years and be like, oh, that $500, you know, is now worth $1,200 or something. Or I would try and trade and buy a whole bunch of penny stocks. I think would just be fun. And I feel like I would learn a lot, even though I'd probably end up losing the $500 because like you said, emotional investing usually leads to poor financial choices. Right. But I would learn something. So then maybe if the next time I invested $5,000, I might be better off. Um, Right. So we are obviously not financial investors or professional advisors. So don't take anything we say seriously. And if you invest money in Coca-Cola and it goes bankrupt next, next year, don't blame Clark. Um, (laughs) But also the whole premise of this podcast, the 30 day trial, especially for me or like in, in this topic for me, I've stated that I'm coming from essentially nothing. So if we did an episode on nutrition or working out where I have 10 years of college education in that subject, I might call myself a professional and that's what I do for a living. So I am a professional in that. But in stock market investing, I have no experience, no knowledge, no anything. And you have a little bit more than me, but I still don't think like this is for basic learning, especially since it's our week one of the topic. Maybe by the time we get to week four on stock market investing, we might have a little bit more knowledge. But yeah, anyone out there that's listening that is a stock market or a day trader or anything, this is very basic stuff. And we know that and that's kind of the goal. So yeah. And one thing I do hope people take away from it, though, is like like you said, neither of us have a super ton of knowledge. I have a little bit of experience with just being a life insurance agent, but that doesn't make me, you know, a super expert. And it's definitely been a few years. But the takeaway I would like people to or what I'd like people to take away from this at the end of these four weeks on this subject is that I think a lot of people think that stock market investing is this thing they'll never be able to comprehend or grasp. But if you spend a few hours or even like an hour a week reading up on it, you can get a good amount of knowledge on what you're doing pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's how what I feel. I've spent a little bit of time here and there over the last seven days since we're into our our week one recording. That's kind of the idea. That's how I'm planning on doing all of this is maybe an hour a day, maybe a little bit less for a week before each recording. And that's what I already have, you know, two pages of notes in front of me. And that's with just poking around the internet and there's I'm reading something and there's some term that I don't understand at all. And I just Google what is market index. And then I read, you know, a couple pages on that. And I've already learned a lot. And that's kind of the whole point of 30 day trial is learning and practicing new things that we find interesting, but for some reason have never gotten into for other reasons in our life, whether that's, you know, other jobs or other school or something. So definitely, we hope that you stay with us, grow with us as we get better in podcasting, because I'm sure we're going to grow and learn a lot since this is our very first recording, but as well, you know, in each of the topics in the stock market investing by the fourth week, you know, that's 30 days or possibly 30 hours worth of practice. If you practice anything for 30 hours, you're going to be a lot better or a lot more knowledgeable than when you started at zero. But I do think a lot of people find stock market investing intimidating or they think that they need tens of thousands of dollars to get started. Yep. But if you you just start and kind of are consistent with, you know, maybe it's 
maybe it's only $20 a, a month or something, but you know, over a couple of years that adds up to, you know, hundreds of dollars or maybe a, maybe a thousand or two. And you can start to have a nice little investment, either making a lot of money, or maybe if it's the goal is to just stick around and build something for retirement, you know, in decades down the line. So that's it. That's all I have. Any last words, Clark? I would just say stick with us. It's our our first podcast. We'll we'll learn and and get better and 